0: From Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue in Alternative, Inviting, Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm
1: Martha McGarry, and I make nice games.
0: I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are pitching to consoles and turn based RPGs. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start.
2: 101. <laughs> Dalmatians? <laughs>
3: yes. Dalmatians. <laughs>
1: and I get all of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. That, that
2: checks out. <laughs> yeah. So last week was our 100th episode. Yes. Um, although, as you probably learned uh, then, <laughs> uh, it, was this al- week. it was only minutes ago for us. <laughs> and it's funny. We just finished recording it and we're like, oh, there's a bunch of things we forgot to talk about. Yeah.
1: Like, like the air conditioner and the fact that we had, used to have three topics and now only have two topics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Um And, you know, maybe we'll pepper in those stories a bit. Or do you just want to talk a little bit about that? A little sequel to the episode? Uh,
0: okay. I guess, like, you used to have three topics per episode, but then the episodes started getting really long. Yeah. So Martha convinced us to do two topics, and I was heavily against it. But now I'm like, yeah, we're, we're still talking a long time.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it makes sense. But- That's good, too, because we also started rotating who the host of the episode yeah. is, who starts the episode. So it ended up being a pretty good format for us to to do.
1: See, I got good ideas sometimes.
2: (laughs) And that's the thing we didn't really touch on a lot is though a lot of times the ideas that we come up with to change the show, we're resistant to change Mm -hmm. because we talked a lot about habits and how important those were. But then uh, we are able to make pitches to each other and we trust each other with like, let's just try it. And I think with an ongoing project, it's easier just to like, just try something and Mm -hmm. see how it goes. Mm -hmm. And almost always when one of us comes up with something and the others are resistant, the person who came over that was right.
0: Yeah, that's
2: true. So that's an example of that for sure.
0: Yes, also the air conditioner gets loud.
2: Yeah, this, I really wanted to mention, and we did. We talked about the Viking bar and all the noise that uh-huh. that caused, but the regular thing is there's this air conditioner in here with a turn it off for every episode. Um, I recorded a sample of it, and we'll put that uh, here in the show, I suppose, and get an idea for what we have to deal with sometimes when we have to go through the noise cancellation uh, on the episode. And you may recognize a sort of a high pitched whine. Uh, up or down, depending on if you're turning on or off. Yeah. Um. In the episode that 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 cu- cuts through that the the noise canceling, that's what that is. Yes. Uh. If you're ever curious of what that sound <laughs> is, <laughs> did we leave anything else out of the hundredth episode? I mean, I'm sure we did.
0: <laughs> we just can't think of it right now. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, clockbreakers out. Probably it that is, is, is definitely, definitely. is yeah. it definitely is. Well,
1: Unless job. something terrible happened. Oh dear. Let's
0: hope <laughs> uh, well, good job. We did it. We did it.
2: Mm-hmm. High
3: five. Woo. <laughs> yeah.
2: So for listeners who don't know, Clawbreaker is a game that both Stephen and Martha worked on. Yes. Um, over two years ago? Yes. yes.
1: 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's why the Git project is M- Midwest Game Jam 2015. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so every time you open it, you're like, <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so long ago. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and so the team got together, polished it up, uh, it was a game jam game, yes. but it was pretty much done, like complete, yeah. like a full idea. Mm-hmm. Polished it up and uh, getting it out the door. It's, out, it's available now on Steam and Itch. Yes. You can check it out on our website.
0: Hopefully you had a good time at our release party that we also had. It was fun. Uh, when was that slash is going to be? <laughs> <laughs> it was the, it's the 17th? Yes. yes, I think it's the seventeenth. Yes.
2: Okay. Okay. Oh, well, it'll happen by the time this episode goes out. There. Right. For sure. Yeah. So it'll have happened. It will have happened. Cool. So yeah, hope you all had a great time. Yes. I'm. I probably did. <laughs> there's, there's a tournament. There's a tournament. Yeah. Some of yeah. you
1: probably won stuff.
2: Yes.
0: Good job. Hopefully it was a well-run tournament. Mm-hmm. I'm running it. So. so what's that website, Stephen? Uh, clawbreaker.com.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm
0: pretty sure it's that's yeah. Cool. And
1: thing. you can search for it on Steam and
2: itch.io. Buy that game, guys. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's great, y'all.
1: It's selling like hotcakes.
2: <laughs> as far as you know right now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> selling like crab cakes.
2: Uh-huh. Hey. Better. <laughs> so a hotcake is just a pancake. Yes. Right?
1: Hot yes. cross buns. Hot <laughs> cross buns.
2: <laughs> it is, though. I, I, feel, think. I feel like I went my whole life thinking it was some old thing that doesn't exist anymore that, oh, that yeah, used to sell no really no well. No one
0: ta- calls them hotcakes. McDonald's then, calls them hotcakes.
2: Well, nah. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I found out they were pancakes. Yeah. And I'm like, are pancakes particular good sellers? Like, mm. oh, yeah. I've- is it that you need to eat a pancake really quickly when it comes off the griddle? And it sells in the sense that it's, you can't make them fast. Is that the metaphor? Maybe. Or is it, I don't know. Because I think the what people use it for is yeah. that it's popular. Yeah. All right. But it might be that it's like.
1: So maybe someone was trying to make a new pitch for a pancake.
0: Could be. Uh, <laughs> could be. Was that a subtle transfer, transfer
2: to the, the topic?
0: <laughs> I'm pretty good at this. Yeah. Sometimes we don't pick
2: up on them. <laughs> okay, our first topic today is mine uh, pitching to consoles. Uh, this is something that I've been doing the uh, past couple months for Widget Satchel. And I've heard you may have heard me talk about it on the show before. And um, I wanted to, I, I'm still waiting to do the big, like, consoles topic, yeah. right, like porting to consoles'll yeah, be releasing like all that stuff there's that's still to come for Widget I' of to that too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but this is about pitching, about that first process, right that first step, and so I'm going to talk a little bit about pitching to all three major platform holders, and I'll reveal a little bit where we are in that process, uh, so you know to only listen to the stuff I have any knowledge about because I don't know about all of it just yet. Mm. Oh, uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, the first—I guess we'll just get right into it. So we'll start with Sony. Yeah. Um, Sony is interesting in that they are uh at this at now they are the only console manufacturer you can just self-publish on. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, you don't have to. They 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 do not have to approve your game. Oh. Um, okay. you can just. I mean. Justice. We'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, you ca- I guess you can technically self-publish on Xbox, mm-hmm. but it's through a, a thing called the Xbox Creators Program, which is a. Um, there are limitations on what you can do with your application. Sure. You're limited to one gig of RAM. Sure. It has to be a UWP, which is a certain type of uh, um, a binary format or package format, rather for uh, for Windows uh, uh, apps. Okay, there are certain Xbox Live things you can't get. So basically. And it also goes into a separate part of the store. Yeah. So it's a, great, it's a great thing. But if you're a game dev who's taking this past hobby and into something serious, it's not really something that you're that interested in. And we'll get into Microsoft in a moment. Mm. Um, but for Sony, and to get in the, the, the PlayStation store, you just need to do all the following things I'm going to describe. You don't need to give them approve your title. Um, So there are things obviously in here that I can't talk about because of NDAs, uh, non-disclosure agreements. Mm -hmm. And um, I I will say, and I'll probably get into this when we revisit this topic, but I think these NDAs are restrictive for no reason. Uh. I have philosophical complaints about them. Um, I don't think they benefit the platform holders in any way. That said, I signed them. And yeah. I'm, I, so there you go. Yeah. Um, I will, um, I, I, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't respect their secrets, but I will keep them if I agreed to, right. I suppose, if that makes sense. Um, Man of your word. Right. So I'm, I'll probably reveal more to you than most people who are under this NDA because I've read them very carefully and I know what I'm allowed to say mm-hmm. because it, it is very much my interest. And of course it's the premise of this program is to share knowledge. Yeah. And that's, I want to do as much of that as I can. Uh, if something's confusing or vague, it's probably because I don't know where the line is exactly. And I'm trying to stay safe. Um, but you can always contact me for clarification, and I can, you know, help out if if possible. I, I think the biggest problem with these things are people who are behind that wall. Not only is it hard because it's very uncomfortable; like you don't yeah. want to, you don't always know, so you yeah. just try to play it safe, and that's a, that's a perfectly fair thing to do because like you don't want to be in trouble, and like I have, I do not re- begrudge anybody for that. But what that leads to is a lack of understanding of a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. And again, we'll, I, I, we'll talk more about this when we actually talk about the real process of it. The, I'm going to try to keep this to pitching, but I'm going to bleed in some other topics as well. Anyway, that's just the precursor because I, I feel really strongly about um, the fact that information should be free and these NDAs are very much against that and I have a lot of problems with that. But that said, I'm not going to violate them because I have, a, I have an interest in keeping them. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. Uh, okay, so for Sony... Um, the uh, you can self-publish with them, but you have to go through a process where you uh, s- uh, sign up your company, and you do in fact need to pitch them the project. Okay. Um, but you, it's basically a kind of a, um, a minimum viable sort of thing. Right, yeah. um, they pretty much they do approve everything. the The key thing about Sony's process is that it was built and set up for a world in which only like THQ and Activision, like the mid tier to high tier companies, deal with them where they have a person on staff who manages the interface with these these portals. It still looks and built that way. But now it's open to anybody uh, who can go through the rigmarole and go through all the hurdles. So that you need to understand, you need to sort of role play as a company. Um, And not just, you do actually need to have a corporate entity or or an LLC or something to, to do it. But you need to Pretend though that you're the rep for your corporation rather than the indie dev who's going through the process. As soon as if you get that in your mind, it comes a little bit easier, um, a little bit easier to take. Rather, maybe not easier to do. Um, but yeah, the main thing with them is that it's a lot of rigmarole. There's many different websites you need to have different accounts on, mm-hmm. um, and it is a a process that the step by step of it is behind the NDA. Yeah. So I can only basically tell you. <laughs> how onerous it is. Yeah, you, I can't really describe much sure. of the details on it. Okay. And again, that's very upsetting. Yeah. Martha, you, you had something
0: to say? Oh, I was just
1: going to ask if you have a character sheet for your game dev rep.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 what are the stats? Uh, cunning nine. Like. Yeah. <laughs> 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 nice. uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> so yeah, lots of hoops to jump through. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Sony also is split in, in the three main Entities. There's Sony America, Sony Europe, Sony Japan, and when you get through this process, you do actually need to go through a lot of these steps with each one individually, um, in order to get in on each of the different. Right. So um, you create different. Uh, you you sort of register your title in all the places. You have to do it. You have to do all of those for each of the three things. Do you have to do it for each of the stores? If you don't want to be, if you don't want to sell in Europe, you don't have to do the okay. go through it. But yeah, it is. Um, it's there's no. There's some shared meta and you know all of the all of the process that I've gone through. There's there's a co- sort of constant ch- state of change. They're trying to make it better and easier. Microsoft particularly is through going through a big process where yeah. they're trying to simplify their backend, um, and so um, it is difficult because documentation is kind of like talking about the old version or the new version, and you have to you do have to dedicate a weekend to reading documents, um, but like before you do anything, and then the next weekend and the next weekend also. Mm. Um, but uh, and Sony is, I think, of the ones I've seen is the uh and this includes like Steam is included in this. I think Steam is it's not a console, but it has a console like process. Right. Uh that you sort of go through now. Um Sony's is I think the most complicated and wonky of them. Uh in ways that you will very much throw your hands up and go like, why do they why is this extra step? Yeah. Um but I
0: mean I, I feel like uh, I imagine that a lot of these things
2: uh are based off of like
0: old uh like you said with the Sony thing, it's it's based off of old architecture and stuff. Yes, absolutely. Sp- specifically built like for larger companies. And now yeah. that indies are more a thing, mm-hmm. they're trying to branch out, but like, it's just going to take time for
2: them. To yeah, and a lot point. of times you'll see documentation that says, talk to your account manager or talk to your like, the person you're dealing with. Because oh, a lot yeah. of times, um, with the way that the, the, comp- the platform holders deal with companies is they do have reps that are sort of go-betweens, right? that handle them, that help them through the process. Because these backends not only were they not designed for the indie dev, they were barely designed for the company rep. <laughs> like, Really, it's it's more just a like, if you have a problem, you're just supposed to ring up your guy, your account guy yeah. at Sony, and then have them help you out with it. But with self-publishing indies, that's not practical. Right. And so a lot of times the, you'll see that it says, when it says, talk to your account person, this is the generic email you send, and then the team of indie reps, one of them will get back to you. Yeah. And I will say this for Sony, they are very good. They They respond very quickly, they're very good with your weird questions. And if you don't understand something, they're pretty quick at understand, at knowing what's, what's confusing you because they've dealt with a lot of this. Okay. Um, and that's the other thing I've found is that there are some things that are really tedious and frustrating and annoying. But for the most part, the, t- the teams that manage the indie side of these platform holders are all like fantastic people. like Doing their best and like maybe you don't get the results you want, but like you, you totally can feel, I hope this isn't Stockholm Syndrome, because I've gone through so much trouble, <laughs> that I feel I have to make it worth it, but like, they're all fantastic people. They, they, and the, the response times are pretty good. Um, I think that's the thing you worry about when you're in Indie. Like, who am I? They don't have to answer my email forever. Will yeah. they even answer my email? Yeah. Like <laughs> um, but, uh, but Sony and Microsoft are both really good about that. Right. that that's been my experience. Anyway. And it's their job to... like answer these emails. Exactly so, right. Like, they get
0: paid to do and, this. And it,
2: it, is in your, it is in their interest mm-hmm. that you do well. Yeah, right. <laughs> so once you get over the that first hurdle, um, it, it, it's still easy to think like you have to have something to prove to someone. But like at that point, like you are a product for them. Mm-hmm. Like they want, it's in their interest. So like, um, you, you know, like it's, uh, you want to cut down on the sort of long emails that explains your motivations and everything. Just ask your question they're there to answer it, yeah. um, and they're very good about that usually. Um, so that's the rough uh, path on Sony. It, there's not much to pitch because you just need to go through it. Um, I, there is, there's like one website you go to get started, and it's not even the one you'd think. Uh. So we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, and there's, I'll also sort of dig around and see if I can find some articles that try to describe that process in similarly vague terms. And if you can put all of our vague accounts together, you might have a better idea. Um, because that's the thing that I think would really help this process is more of people sharing their experiences, and hopefully, that I'm I'm able to help a little bit. But like I said, there's only so much you can reveal. Right. Um, okay. So Xbox is different. Xbox, uh, Microsoft is famously a dev friendly company. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Like, it, it, especially on the PC side, like they're like, hey, do you sue some crazy weird tool? We'll see if we can support it. Like, they're very much that's been the ethos of the company even back before they became sort of popular, uh, like culturally popular again in the past few years. Like even back when everybody hated them in the early 2000s, they were still a really dev-friendly company. Mm. And that's definitely pervaded their Xbox team. And um, But uh, they have, so they have this creators program, which I've described a little bit, um, and I don't want to get into too much because it really is just, it's, it's, it's pitched and meant for hobbyists. Yeah. That said, if you can't get in through their ID at Xbox program, their independence at Xbox, if that's something that you go for and can't get, the created program will get your game on Xbox, and you can use your own retail Xbox as a dev kit. Right, you don't have to get an extra dev kit. So just extra convenient. They open this extra little door for you, but I think listeners to our show probably want more than that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and also, I don't have a lot of experience with that program, uh, but I just I, I I really appreciate that it exists. Yeah. Um, but I tend to leave it out when I talk about how to get on Xbox. Oh sure. Um. Anyway, okay. So uh, what you want for Xbox is ID at Xbox. It's their program. For independent developers, um, that is, you know, that encompasses Widget Satchel, and it also encompasses Cuphead. Ah, like, yeah. Cuphead right. is an ID at Xbox game. Yeah. Um, you know, if you don't have a publisher, that's the way to go. If you're a small publisher, that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty good. Um, I, it's actually, I don't know where the line is between ID at Xbox and, like, AAA Xbox, exactly. <laughs> Uh, like sure. it's it is fairly it's it's far in the distance. Uh, ID at <laughs> Xbox is a huge program mm-hmm. and it covers a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, and I I tend to think, particularly let's say Cuphead, where Cuphead was an ID at Xbox project and remained branded that way through release. And ID at Xbox is really just a. It's like a back-end thing. Once you're on the store, a customer doesn't know you went through that program. Right, yeah. Uh, it is just the Xbox store. They used to separate them on the Xbox 360, but right. they don't anymore. Like Live Arcade or whatever they used yeah. to call it. And In fact, that's like the start of indie self-publishing. And that's what the creators program now is. Mm-hmm. It's a separate sort of part of the store for that. And that's that's probably not ideal for a lot of creators. But ID Xbox is just the program that you go through the process. Once you're in the store, you're in the same store as Call of Duty and all that stuff. Okay. Um, my My thinking is that it, it, it's a bit of a branding exercise uh, at, for some of those uh, uh, flagship indie titles, where they get into ID at Xbox, and then they get a lot more first-party support. But they just are continued to be called an ID at Xbox sure, game. Sure. Um, I don't have a problem with that exactly, but um, it, it does help to be maybe sort of practical, realistic about what it really means. Um, that's a huge Good. digression, anyway. Uh, with ID at Xbox, um, you you sign up with your Microsoft account. And you have to pitch them your company. And the reason I'm a little vague on this is because there's two steps there's pitching them that you're a real company that exists and mm-hmm. runs to make games. Mm-hmm. And then you get into the program. Then you pitch your game. And um, when you pitch your, only after your game is approved do you get access to dev kits, uh, backend portals, all that stuff. So I submitted my company, Noble Robot, to ID at Xbox like three years ago. Mm. And 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 you know got into that where you get like monthly newsletters basically, um, but there's no website to go to. There's nothing to log into. It's not really part of it. So when I was looking into doing this uh, for Widgets Hatchel, I'd forgotten that I was oh, ar- yeah, already yeah. part of the program yeah. to some degree. Um, usually, you just want to do one after the other, yeah. right? Um, a- anyway, that's why I'm a little vague on that that origin part of it. But um, it, you just I think it's just developer at xbox.com. Or so. We'll put all the links in the show notes um, where you just sign up. And as far as I know, the requirements for that first step are fairly low. It's like a prove you exist kind of thing. Um, I think it does ask you, or at least it did when I did it, I believe, if my memory serves, it asks you to write a little bit, like what kind of projects do you want to make? What, what are you up to? Like, you know, but it's not; you don't have to submit screenshots or a proper game design, any of that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's mostly just introductory. Right. Um, anyways, the game information form, that's the unhelpfully acronymed GIF, <laughs> yeah, oh boy they, they, on, the, on the forums is it
1: GIF or a GIF
2: don't start with me <laughs> well actually I don't know for that one because yeah. it's, not, it's not referring to the same thing yeah. uh, on the in the in the back end forums people mm. will talk about like the the GIF the GIF and I'm like what I'm like, oh right <laughs> the, the game information form yeah. um, this is what you submit to uh, once you're in the program they give you at least it used to be. They actually changed it. So um, when I signed up, I got a link that said, hey, now that you're part of the program, here's the your individualized link to the game information form. And I had to go digging for that email.
4: Mm.
2: And when I clicked it, the whole process had changed. So I think it actually is a public URL, but you have to log in with the account that's approved. Anyways, that's sort of wonky and not interesting. But um, you, you, um, you'll, you'll be sent an email with this link. Um, okay. It won't be the same one I got, but it'll be a similar one. And um, it is just basically a web form that is relatively long, but what's great is it's totally step by step. Cool. It asks like, you know, uh, what platform, what other platforms are you going to want this game on. What, um, you know, describe the the sort of blurb, the hook. Uh, give us a gameplay information. Um, like none of this is not under NDA, but it's still behind the program, so I'm going to be a little respectful to it. Um, but uh, it's also not interesting that you know every detail of it. Um, it basically just asks a lot of inf- details about it, and then it asks you for additional materials that you can submit to them. Now, things like a demo, a trailer, screenshots, none of that, you cannot submit that on this form. But um, it's very much recommended, and the Xbox people I talked to when I went to GDC before I submitted our information form were very clear on, yes, you want to put that stuff in there. Okay. And I'll talk a little bit about the sort of like uh, minimum, minimum things you need for all of this okay. uh, later. But... Um, it basically is a really helpful form. And what's nice about it is that that lets you organize all of your thoughts in a way that helps you pitch to other platform holders. Uh Um, Also, it it, it lets you put your materials in a way that will help you with an elevator pitch to say a publisher or or something like that. So the best thing about doing more than one of these, I have found, is that you you end up having materials you can reuse in another and then it refines your message. It refines, like it, the, the Xbox form asks you what the hook of your game is and nothing else asks for that, right? In that, exactly that way. And so asking you for these details in slightly different ways because it all comes from different sources allows you to get to the core of what the answers are. Yeah, And it's really, really useful. That's good, okay. And, and so we now have this materials for Widget Satchel that are like just in a bag we can just grab for anyone who needs anything. Yeah, It's really useful. So when we start doing press, and try to get uh, uh, do some press relations for this game, we are going to have a lot ready to go. Yeah. And that is a huge service it provides to you, even if like the process doesn't go as well as you think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you end up having a lot of this stuff.
0: Okay, yeah, that, that seems really useful, that mm-hmm. like, you have all of that information, and they can, you can just use it to pitch it to, uh, to article writers and such. Yeah, exactly just, right. Just so you can get your game out there. That's good.
2: Yeah, 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 because I mean, it is a pitch, yeah. in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so the game information form, you get, get all that stuff going, and then you send it off, and then um, I think it's like they say like two weeks, uh, uh, two or three weeks they, they expect to get back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I made the mistake of sending it to them the week of E3. Oh, Microsoft's also really good with email. They actually will do it. They do auto replies to let you know, like, thanks for sending it. This is who you sent it to. This is what we normally respond. And so they, you know, it's, sometimes it's really, a, it is very disheartening to send an email into the void. It's like, it's stress you don't need. And so Microsoft's pretty good about like letting you know exactly like we got it. Here's what we're doing with it. And that's like, good. and you know, a lot of things are like that, but they do a pretty good job with this. Mm-hmm. So their message then was like, hey, it's E3. So FYI, oh. it's going to be a little bit tricky. Yeah. But good news. It actually didn't. It took like, I don't know, like eight, nine business days before they got back. That's good. Um, and I'd like to think that it's not, that's not a function of like how great our game was. Um, and that's, the, I'm trying to make that assumption when we go through these things is that like that we are a typical indie game team. Mm hmm. I like to have the confidence that we actually are a little better than that. Um <laughs> but I try not to assume that. Yeah. Um because I think it's like cuz I don't I don't want to think of it as super special. And that's the other thing about back to the sort of NDA talk is when you get past this NDA wall, you feel special. And I think that's that's kind of an unhealthy feeling. Mm. Uh, it, it becomes I- exclusionary and you start to think that you're you've done you've accomplished something, you're better than someone else. But like oh. we all know, like it's the, the the people at Microsoft have a good idea of what a good game is, mm-hmm. but they're not the arbiters of that, right? Sure. Like they have their own reasons for choosing things. Yeah. like too many RPGs this month, or whatever. You have no idea. Yeah, right? I don't know. I guess they also
1: don't have a fancy energy sword. So
2: good I point.
0: Accurate. <laughs> yeah, if I was on under NDA, I would feel more worried than.
2: Special, I think. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Worried first, yeah. <laughs> um, and th- that's that being said, there is nothing wrong with feeling. I mean, I am very proud to have the process of the approval process. Anyway, oh, yeah. has gone pretty smooth for, yeah. for us so far. Um, that does give me some pride. But I try not to. I try to be realistic and think it's just emotionally prideful. But at the same time, I'm not. I don't want it to change my behavior. Right. and I don't want it to. Um, I don't ever want to tell someone. Yeah, we went through this process. You might have some trouble, but like we, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like I I want to make it. I want to cast myself as the 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 typical person that goes through this because I don't know any different. Yeah. And so I think it is important to keep that in check. Um, I don't know how valuable that is to hear uh, uh, for our listeners, but like I think it is. Sometimes you feel like like it's like a club on the other side of the the fence Mm -hmm. that that has access to consoles. When this day and age, it's really not that special. I think that. Um, Well,
0: yeah, it it has changed a lot. Yeah, like it used to be much more. It used to be it kind of used to be like that. It used to be yeah. more e- exclusionary and stuff just because
2: like it was very difficult and expensive. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Cause um, it, was, it was, it was cost and, and technical expertise were yes. very much different. Yes. Um, whereas these days we have so much like really groundbreaking middleware and the platform holders are so good mm-hmm. at, at letting a lot of different types of games. This isn't just like unity doing all the work. This is the platform holders really opening it up. So it's like, they're the ones who, who have, who've done the work. Right. To make themselves less exclusionary, but the, but the process still feels that way.
0: Yeah, and that well, does
2: that does bother me a little. Sure. Bit. Yeah. yeah, I
0: think a lot of it is just like that's how it used to be, and like it, it's just going to take some time for the oh, yeah. the idea yeah. of getting on the consoles to change.
2: I mean, truthfully, it's a system that works. It yeah. works. It works for them. Mm-hmm. So like they don't have a lot of motivation to change. So I don't really blame them. Mm-hmm. Um, but also they do, you know, um, uh, like I said, they do are really good at communicating with the people that that are you know through the process. Yeah. But that means that that number does have to be kind of small then mm-hmm. so you know there are a lot of reasons for this and like Sony lets you self-publish Xbox has a game information form that they they have said they are just they want more and more indie games mm-hmm. so I don't think as long as as long as in your form you can prove to them that you can follow through on creating your vision I don't think they care what your vision is I don't think they're trying they're not I don't think they have like quotas for genres or anything they may have at one point but the reps I've talked to before we went through the process um, have said, Like you know, we really want more and more on there, and that. But part of the reason they do that check, I'll get to, is that they actually do provide you with monetary resources for getting through that. So it actually they do need to actually check. Then on Nintendo's side, Nintendo is much more locked down. They're very much a black box as to how they decide what games are on their platform. They're much more uh, uh, interested in curating which types of games come out when, and they're much more hands on with that. Um, And the fact that all three of them have different approaches, I think, is great. Um, you know, uh, I think it's uh, also as each generation changes, the consoles will change what their thresholds are. Yeah. Like Xbox Live Arcade was huge for Xbox. Right. Before they launched ID at Xbox, Their their strategy was just to let everybody in and then Xbox Live Arcade got a pretty prominent place in the store. It wasn't yeah. this little side thing. Yeah. Whereas PS3 didn't really have any way for an indie to get on there unless they were personally invited. At least that changed toward the end of that cycle. Mm. It almost flipped, in a sense, in 2013 with the new consoles. And then a lot had to do with their market position. But that is just, like, the more players there are, the more approaches there can be. So if you're a game, if you're a player, who is like, oh, I hate that anyone can just put a stupid game on Steam or whatever. Well, then you want a more lockdown curated thing. And if you're a developer, you might feel the opposite. But also, if you're a player, you want more interesting, crazy things. There is there's enough of a variance between the platform holders. I do kind of wish they were all the same and you could just do through one process. Mm. But part of me I likes the, the healthy change and the fact that it changes over time. So Nintendo's policies will change and Xbox's policies yeah. will change over time. Well, also, I think that's healthy and good. Also, these policies will, like they, they, I guess they curate like the
0: games that are on the platforms so the platforms have their own little personalities yeah. based off of the games that they have.
2: So, yes. And that certainly, I think, was probably much more that particular angle yeah. is still important. But I think it was much more important longer ago. Sure, I think it's. Um, I mean, what we as developers, what we really want is we really want an arms race between the platform holders to mm-hmm. get as many indie games as possible, mm-hmm. and we're not far from that. Mm-hmm. Um, they just have a slightly different approaches to it, uh, which is sort of interesting. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much Microsoft uh, for the the pitching process, um, and then um, the last bit is. Oh yes, uh, the other thing is. Um, uh, um, what, what X, Xbox does like to see a certain number of things. They have um, a couple of unique platform features. All the platform holders want you to tell them what you're going to do for them, right? Yeah. Uh, how you use their special features. Um, Microsoft's is really interesting. They have Windows cross publishing, so um, you can, especially with a middleware solution like Unity or Unreal, um, you can publish a game to Windows and Xbox One. Uh, day and date. You can do cross saves. You can even do cross play. Mm-hmm. And it's not that uh, APIs are not that complicated. Um, Microsoft wants to hear that from you. Um, I don't think they have a problem if you don't want to do that. Like you're just like, I just want to release an Xbox game. I don't want to bother if with you the just extra. Look better if you do it that way. Right? Yeah, it's you come off better to them if you say like, Hey, we're going to use your particular platform features. Right. Um, and you know, I, so that that's something to keep in yeah. mind as well.
0: And that's that's the case with like all of the platforms. Really, is that yes. like you just want to make sure that like your game will look more attractive on this console if you're able to use the console's features. So like if your game is really good uh um uh, if every once in a while like if you if you can just jump into the game real quick and play like for 5 minutes this and stop, mm-hmm. it'd be good on Switch because Switch is portable. Yeah. And so like you can use that to your advantage when you're telling
2: Nintendo that we want to sell your game on exactly right yeah 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 um, and yeah if you if you if you have like if you're if you're releasing like a real time strategy game right. that you that is very PC friendly yeah. well Xbox is a good platform for that because it's really easy to do cross play yes. on that that kind of thing mm-hmm. um, and so you, you want you want to you want to focus on those things that even if even if they're different for each platform even if you're you you can not think of why your game it's also good to um, you're making a pitch so you're not making a promise. So one of the things that we did in ours is we talked about Mixer integration. Mixer is yeah. Microsoft's, it's basically Twitch, but uh, microsoft it's a different company and Microsoft bought them a couple of years ago. They have done a really good job of making Mixer like a really good platform for developers. It's still a smaller audience and so they can be a little bit more curatorial with how, how that they're building the culture in a way where Twitch was just this runaway thing that just formed out of a big mass of the people using it. Mm-hmm. Mixer feels a little bit more like a planned community. Like they're, they're trying to establish how Mixer feels before it gets too big, which is kind of cool. And there's, they have tons of really great in, in, interactive features where you can build controls in your game that appear on a website uh, for, uh, where you're watching someone stream it, and then you can interact directly with that game. Um, and that's something that like we thought for widget satchel could have a couple of interesting ideas. But I in the in the form, I just sort of pitched a couple of we could do this or we could do this, we could do this. Um I didn't promise that we would get around to that. Um because that's the other thing. You don't want to you don't want to oversell yourself. You wanna you wanna say exactly what your game is. Yeah. You don't wanna say like this game is a cool idea, and maybe it could be the next big seller. Like, you, that's not something they're going to take seriously.
1: I'm going to make the next <laughs> Minecraft.
2: Right? Exactly. <laughs> like, tell the, you want to tell them your honest um, aspirations for it. And we talked about this in the indie game success episode. It's sometimes hard to wrap your head around what you think it, success will be. Yeah. And there's a balance between being overly modest and being a little bit too uh, like uh, blowfishy, pump, pumping yeah. up your chest a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a little bit. Everyone's going to have to figure out how to do that on their own. But um, it's important to. You are pitching it to them, but like you're not gonna fool them. Mm-hmm. So um so when you want to say, like, oh well, I would love to use all of Xbox's great unique features or all of Nintendo's great unique features, like this and this, no other game is gonna be as unique as this. It's like they're not gonna buy that. Yeah. Like tell them like that what you're honestly excited about about their platform and what you think would be good for your game. Right. Not what you think would be good for all the Xbox games. Right. Right. Like and 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 yeah, it's uh it's it's not that hard. It's just easy to overthink it perhaps and and try to think that there's a certain requirement mm-hmm. um, but the more the, mo- the more the um, more honestly you can answer these things um, and meeting those conditions the better um, okay so Nintendo is the last one on this list and it's the last one cuz it's the one that Widgets Hatchle has not gone through yet so i guess we'll announce it Widgets Hatchle is coming to PlayStation and Xbox 1
3: yay <laughs> Woo!
2: At some point, we want to we want to say end of this year, but we're not going to promise that yet. No, yeah. at least they not announced. Yeah, um, but it's in the works. It will come out on those platforms as well as on PC. Uh, we've pitched it to Nintendo, mm-hmm. um, and normally this is not a thing you would even reveal until you've gone through that process. But I don't mind saying we've pitched this game to Nintendo. Yeah, um, it was only a couple weeks ago, actually, like a week and a half ago. So we haven't heard back yet, and that's, that's how three weeks ago, your time yeah yes. that's right it's, so maybe by the time you hear this we'll have heard back yeah. fingers crossed uh so the thing with nintendo is at some they used to have a they have a website called developer.nintendo.com. and a couple of years ago i went through this process where i signed up for them and said hey i want to be a nintendo developer this was during the wii, middle wii u years right or wii year because U had a pretty short life cycle um and i got a phone call <laughs> from nintendo mm. telling me yeah, like you know, <laughs> hey yes you're in this program now and i'm like oh great why do you make phone calls? <laughs> and I just—this was when I was uh, thinking about Metro Nexus. Yeah. And even at that time, I knew that like porting Metro Nexus to consoles was going to be difficult. But at, I just sort of had a, a like. This is probably the same time I, I I submitted for Xbox. I did Xbox. Is I'm just like you know I'll just see how this goes, right? And, um, and, and deal with the technical problems later. Um, and so I talked to one of the reps on the phone and, and just, it was kind of cool to get a call from Nintendo and say, hey, you're you know, it is this now. Um, that is not the way it is anymore. Mm. Um, and actually, this is probably for the better. Um, the, the, the developer site you can go to and it, you can just sign up and there's no restrictions. They will give you access almost immediately. But it is limited to Wii U and 3DS. Mm. Um, now, Wii U is, I, don't, I couldn't recommend anybody develop for Wii U right now. Obviously. Yeah,
0: it's, yeah.
2: And a lot of people <laughs> who are in the, in the process of a Wii U game that they started working on a year or two years ago, like it's kind of a tough moment for them. Mm. Um, those people probably have a better chance of convincing Nintendo to give them access to Switch dev hardware, but um, it, it, it was a very, very short life cycle for that product. And Nintendo is pretty happy to, because it sold so little, they're happy to let it move on. Whereas right. 3DS has been around forever, but yeah. the install base is enormous. Yeah. And yeah, they are not, a, there's very few first party titles coming for 3DS. But um, it's not a bad idea to publish on 3DS. Yeah, it is. It's a good idea, largely because there's so many people playing it. Yep. Um, and there are, there are, you know, if you're a Unity developer, you can develop Unity. There are some caveats. It's not fully updated, the editor, but like all those details are available to you uh, when you get through this. This is also an NDA process, but again, anyone can sign up. Mm-hmm. But technically, you can't really say anything about it until you sign up, so it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But um, I can say that um, 3DS test kits, they're not dev kits, but they're you can test a build on them. They're relatively cheap. Um, so if you're if you have a game you think like a mobile game you think would go, do it on 3ds, and you got a couple months to spare and a little bit of money, and you'd like an, access to that install base, probably the best way, the quickest way to get on console. Um, it, it, but it's not really well advertised. It's also not that it's not that sexy of a way to get on consoles it's because true. it's a pretty old platform, yeah. and releasing a new game on it doesn't sound that fun. Mm-hmm. But if you think you got a nice little gem that could work on a on a, a smaller uh, device, low, lower powered, mm-hmm. uh, go for it. I think it's a cool idea. I'm I'm tempted. I have a couple of little puzzle games from my like old Flash design d- days, and I'm like, maybe maybe yeah. bring those out of the drawer. Yeah. I, don't, I got too much to do right now. <laughs> but uh, okay, so that's uh, Wii U and 3DS. Now, that is also where you can get access to the developer forums, where you can get a lot of help from them. And there's Nintendo people are still there hanging out, giving advice. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the real thing everyone wants to know is how to get on Switch, right? Because that's really all there is. That's the only game console in the world, as far as a lot of us are concerned. That's what you really want. And uh, the Nintendo's official policy is just send us an email. That is their official policy. They have uh, um, If you go to any of the the Nintendo reps' like Twitter accounts, they'll. It's yeah. like their pinned tweet. It's like ah. just send us an email. <laughs> that's all they want. Uh, I went to a, um, a like a developer roundtable kind of thing, yeah. a, like a little meeting of people at GDC this year and last year uh, that Nintendo held at in their little little business area of GDC, and it was kind of fun to get. This was the uh, two years ago it was actually a week before the Switch came out, so they had a Nintendo rep, and there was like eight of us. Uh-huh. Um, uh, just sort of asking information. He's like, I can't tell you anything, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so it was kind of. And in the end, it was just send us an email. So there wasn't any. Like, even, there were people there who were like longtime publishers on Nintendo platforms, yeah, uh, and, and saying like, "How do we get access to Switch hardware?" Like, we've been we've been publishing. We have six three DS games. That just send us an email. Yeah, like it really isn't. You're all on level playing field at that point. And in, so, the, in the email and the contents of the email is largely just a pitch, like in the other ones, right? You'd think, but they have no official stance on this. Oh. Uh, now you know, that, like you can ask people who've done, gone through the process, and uh, my feeling is that people who have successfully pitched Nintendo have done different things to do it, mm-hmm. but generally what you want to send is an introductory email. Yeah. You don't want to send the whole everything. Oh, right? yeah. Because if you're like me, you've made a lot of materials for Sony, a lot of materials for Microsoft. You ha- now have a lot of materials. Mm-hmm. What are you going to send to Nintendo? Um, again, they want to know what's interesting about their platform features. And from what I heard directly from them is they want to know a little bit more about your business plan. They want to know like where your game is in the market. They don't want to hear necessarily how great your game is. They do want to hear that. But they also want to know... like. Um, you know, where would this? Why would we put this in our Switch lineup? Why would we like you know put this on you know on our YouTube channel uh, with all the un- other indie games? How does this complete our little puzzle? And so that is something they want to hear. Mm. Um, now, uh, from what we've heard from people who have gone through the process, um, a couple of different people, um, it's a bit of a back and forth with Nintendo. Um, when you do hear back from them, they will probably ask you for more, um, and that is when you prepare more. But um, they will be more specific at that point. Mm. Um, now we haven't got we haven't got to that point with Widget Satchel yet, so this is all just things I've heard from others. Um, but my understanding is, you know, um, it, it really just send them an email. <laughs> That's kind of it. Um, you don't have to be as scared of it. I mean, I mean, it, time will tell out if our approach worked. Um, but you know, again, it might not. It, there might be reasons they don't, you know, uh, uh, choose to go forward with it. I've also heard from people when they um, are denied, they actually do get an email back from Nintendo saying like, "No, thank you," um, and sometimes it's a Advice on how to what we what we would want to see from a game like this, okay. or how to maybe prepare your pitch for next time, or this isn't far enough in development for us. Um, that there's I've heard a couple of those stories. Um, so uh, when they say just send you an email, it sounds really like that's no information at all. But that literally is what they want you to do. They just and want it, you to start a conversation. It isn't any more complicated yeah, than that. Okay. Yeah. Um, it re- even now it still feels like there's some secret. Like unlockable thing to it, yeah. But like, even I still feel that. Mm. But it really there isn't. So, so we're still waiting. Um, and you know, at a certain point, you know, they get a lot of emails. So maybe I'll send a follow up because sometimes that's what it takes. Uh, Because they're not ignoring you. You know, if they didn't go back, it's it's you know, it's because like they're busy probably. Mm. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how that goes, and hopefully, I'd like to report good news on that. Um, but that's that's the aim. And there's when you think about it, like take us real self-assessment. Like if you think about the games that are on Switch, does can your game fit alongside those? Like. Your assessment is probably good enough. That, that's, that's my feeling. That's my gut feeling is that like Widget Satchel would be great on Switch. So I, we just need to navigate this. Yeah. I, I don't have any, I don't fear that they're going to not like it, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, I mean, if you have that fear legitimately, then maybe you have different problems than we do, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty much the pitching process. Yeah. And I, I still feel like it's not a lot of information like i i hopefully it should re- reassure you a little bit i mean it seems like a lot of information to me Yeah, I, I,
0: I yeah i learned a lot about the whole like i haven't been i'm involved in widgets, yeah. obviously but i haven't been involved in the pitching process of it so that's true uh all of this information sounds really useful i think it's very valuable stuff and like it it the wall seems less Tall. Yeah, Yeah,
1: it doesn't seem it doesn't seem as intimidating. It's like, oh, I can send emails. I do that every day.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess that's that's the key message is that like, you know, like Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, they are big important companies. But like there are things about this environment of console production that make it seem even more inscrutable than it actually is. Mm -hmm. It is fairly inscrutable. (laughs) But you know, so hopefully that will give you the, the confidence. Like everything we talk about in this show. Like it's uh you can do it. Yeah. You can do it. I um, believe in you. Yeah.
3: <laughs> believe.
2: <laughs> uh, so I do want to talk a little bit more about um just the little other details before we move on. Uh dev kits, uh just simple facts about dev kits so you know what you're getting into. Um uh Sony, you gotta buy those dev kits. Mm. They expensive. Mm. Um but um not, not as bad as you might think. Certainly not as bad as the old days. And that is about as specific as I can get. Mm. Um, you can find a lot of con- uh, other accounts online of, around that. And they'll probably say exactly what I say. Um, the way ni- uh, Sony themselves says it, which now that seems fair to say, is they say it's about the cost of like a high-end laptop, mm. is what, what, a, what a, a PS4 dev kit is. Okay. So if you can imagine that, and it's a pretty narrow range. And this is another case where like, it is ridiculous that I can't just say this number. Like, it serves no one that I can't say it. Mm. But I can't say it. Anyways, but that's what Sony says. This is a, they, It's about the cost of a high-end laptop. Um, and that's more money than you probably want to spend on a PS4 dev kit, but if you want to publish on PS4, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, the thing about dev kits that is true for all three of these, these manufacturers is that there are two types of dev kits. There's the dev kit, which is usually a, a much higher-end version of the console, extra RAM, sometimes an extra piece of processor, Sometimes uh, extra, uh, um, uh, like extra hard drives or different partitions or like, again, those details are under NDA, a lot of them. But um, they're totally different machines, and they can emulate a retail box for you to test on. But also, they're much more powerful so that you can run unoptimized projects and get things working, um, as well as get much more like, debugging information. And this is probably not news to a lot of people. But there's another type of dev, dev kit that people probably aren't as familiar with. It's called the test kit. And a test kit, um, they'll be called different things by different manufacturers, or different platform holders. But the test kit is basically a retail uh, um, device with like a switch flipped, where you can deploy, um, so they, they usually can't run um, uh, retail games, so you can't, like, you can't run your own personal games on it. That's true for most of them. Um, but you can deploy your products on it. You can do limited debugging with them, um, but they have basically the same uh, capabilities of a retail thing. Now, if you're a Unity developer, you do a lot of your debugging on your PC, yeah. and a test kit is kind of good enough uh, for a lot of cases. This is why I was recommending a 3DS development, mm-hmm. because 3DS dev kits, like proper dev kits, very expensive. Mm. But a test kit, incredibly affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, where if, if, you, have, if, if you feel like it, that is not going to be a barrier if you want to put your game on 3DS, is, is getting a test kit. Okay. And a test kit can get you most of the way there. The problem is, is like if you don't have a proper dev kit, there's some things you can't check for completely. It depends on what your workflow is. But if you're a Unity developer, if you're one really reliant on middleware, then test kits can get you, can really, you can get away without, without getting a proper dev kit. And so uh, that is something that not a lot of people know. And is also not uh, that, that fact is not under NDA. Mm-hmm. But it's still one of those things that people don't talk about mm-hmm. because so much of it is sort of clouded in mystery. Um, so Sony is very expensive. Um, Xbox, free. So when you, uh, when you uh, get your game approved uh, uh, by ID at Xbox, they send you dev kits. Um, and that's cool. They send you two dev kits uh, because they're like, w- you know, you're like, wow, that seems like a lot. Well, I think for, <laughs> my thinking is that they don't know how big your team is. Oh, so they yeah. don't want to even ask you. They're just sure. like, everyone gets two. Um, you get two dev
0: kits. <laughs> you get two dev kits. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs>
2: so if you're a single developer, that's one more dev kit than you need. Yeah. Um, but if you're a small team, then like that's kind of great, mm-hmm. Right. Um, And so uh, that's that. Uh, Nintendo's, uh, it's like Sony's where you have to buy them. um, But they're, um, and this is what they told me, um, is that they're much cheaper. And I think there was a lot of stories uh, um, when the Switch came out that that made it to the popular mainstream games press talking about how cheap the the, the dev kits are. Mm -hmm. Um, Nintendo also has a dev kit and a test kit. And it's basically the same kind of thing, where you have you know, much more power and then ones that are closer to retail. And now what they do recommend, the process for all the platform manufacturers is you want to develop on your dev kit, you want to do QA on your test kit. Mm-hmm. And, you, and so really what they will recommend you, and if you ask them different, like, could I just, get, They will. They, the party line is always, we want you to have both. Yeah. But the dev kit does both so you can get away with just that, okay. But you can make your own assessment as to how badly you need the full power of a straight up dev kit. Sure. Um, th- that said, uh, if you submit your game then to certification, which is the process that all the platform uh, platform holders have for approving a final binary to go in the store, much more rigorous than it is on Steam or other PC platforms, um, you know you're more likely to fail it if you don't have the tools to to do all that that checking. So again, it's a it's a calculated risk that you make. Mm-hmm. Don't have to do that with Microsoft because those things is free. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. Um, so those, yeah, those are just basic facts. This is also not, That's ter- not news. I think a lot of people know that, uh, those details about the sort of, uh, pro- Microsoft very frequently will, they'll say, hey, make a game for Xbox, you get free dev kits. Like yeah. it's, they, they advertise that fact uh, for sure. Um, okay, so other things is uh, like uh, the forums and the communities by these things. Uh, is also where you get information on like how do I do uh, Unity stuff. All of that, a lot of it is under, uh, um, uh, NDA forums. So sometimes they will be the platform holder will have their own forum that you go to. Other times Unity or other middleware developers will have their s- a sub forum that you go to that is monitored by the platform holder staff. It's okay. kind of different for each platform okay. holder and for different middlewares. Okay. Um, uh, and so it it so it's getting that all set up, getting yourself access to those things is another one of those like once you get through you kind of have to like wait for a couple of other emails to go around that you're yeah. not part of to yeah. get you access to certain things. Mm. Um, that's the thing I was not uh, prepared for as much as ended up happening was how many times I had to wait for someone else to do something mm-hmm. just to log into a thing. Very crazy. But you have to be patient with that stuff because it is an old system, right? Yeah. It's, it is slowly adapting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the key about it is that a lot of the information is, it, it's not super complete. They're not terribly active, the forums because it's it, not that many people on there's it. not that many people yeah. and a lot of times especially with middleware people are solving their forum, their problems on the main forums and it is a this is another reason I don't like this NDA thing because the information on that forum it's not it's not top secret it's not that interesting <laughs> it's just people talking about technical things mm. looking for an API call all the things you find on a normal Tech, you know, Stack Overflow or the Unity forums or anything, um, but you have to be prepared for it to be a little harder to find what you need. Mm. And if you're like kind of a person who like lurks on forums, you just search for a question that you think is already asked. You need to get over that a little bit and start asking a bunch of questions. Yeah. Um, and that okay. could be that could be a bit of a habit change for a lot of people. Okay. I, like I feel like I'm a person who who posts questions, but I realize like even it, like even I like only post like five percent of the times I have a problem. Ninety five percent of the time, I'm just searching for someone else who already solved it. Yeah. And, um, you don't
0: want to do the work of asking the question. Exactly. And waiting right. for the
2: answer. And this is definitely a time where you'll be like, oh, I really got to actually start, I got to start being part of this, this wheel turning. Yeah. Or else this, not, this information will not show itself. Okay. Um, but you'll find everyone's in the same boat as you. So people are uh, happy to share information. But again, not only is it a smaller amount of people, it's not as well trafficked as other forums. So you have to be incredibly patient with your fellow users on these forums. And, um, you, you have to hope for, um, you know, communication with the platform holders. If your problem rises to the level that their technical people would want to be interested in answering mm. that, and not just directing to the forums, um, the both Sony and Microsoft are pretty good at that. But I think the I've tried to be when I had technical questions, I try to be really respectful when of of their time and not just pepper them with everything I had. Sure. Like it, just spend a couple more hours trying to figure it myself before bothering them with it. And I I don't know that that's necessary. I think they would probably be happier to a- answer more questions. But I want to make sure that I'm until I'm we go further through the process i don't want to test what those limits are sure um because i've had a pretty good experience so far and i, I don't f- i don't feel like i don't i don't want to test it yet yeah. a, I, I guess my point mm-hmm. um okay um last thing is uh just a quick note on business entities uh you definitely need one um i, I have a single member llc uh for noble robot which means that i file my taxes as me I don't, mm-hmm. I don't file my taxes as the company, but the company is a separate legal entity. I keep a separate bank account for the company. I, I purchase things with that money. But for tax purposes, it's just my social security number. Um, it's the simplest way to do these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. We did a whole episode on this. Yes. Um, uh, and I described the process of forming yeah, this LLC. Yeah, I say, yep. Um, and I know, Stephen, you've been looking into forming a partnership with uh, uh, the Escape Industries folks. Maybe. <laughs> you've been putting it off. Well, yeah, I think true. everybody does that, yeah, right you you all of you listeners out there who wants to want to form a company that hasn't yet, it's because it's not fun, and you don't need it right now True, both of those things you need it for this um well, okay <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, that's something, and you know um like also if you like you need a you need a website, you need a presence, right, and mm. uh, Nintendo particularly is concerned about this that you are actually a thing that's going to exist in a year. Yeah. That you're not just making a game to see if it works. Yeah. That you actually are in it for the long haul. Yeah. And, and these things are signs of that. Um, maybe that's not fair, but it's the truth. Hmm. Um, uh, one thing that came up recently that I wanted to mention, it's not super relevant to my experience, but uh, Glitch, uh, who hosts us here in the clubhouse, um, they are a nonprofit organization. They've also started a, uh, what they're describing as an independent game label, kind of like a record label. And uh, there's gonna be a couple games that they're gonna publish. Um, but as a nonprofit entity, they're having a lot of trouble getting access to right. to the consoles, yeah. Because those systems, again, they're pretty old, mm-hmm. and at least the way that they're set up, and they're just it just didn't occur to them to allow for that. So sometimes it's just not there's like not a checkbox on the form mm. for like filing as a 501c or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there's no ten, there's no legal problem with with selling with a nonprofit selling something on a commercial <coughs> store that yeah. is legal, right? Uh-huh. But these uh, platform holders are just not prepared for that. Sure. And uh, what's great is there's actually been a couple of really good articles uh, just uh, where we're sitting uh, just in the last couple of days talking about Glitch's speci- uh, situation specifically. Um, Polygon has a really good one. So we'll link that in the show notes. And you can hear a little bit about the two games that Glitch is publishing, uh, HyperDot, which is by Stephen's brother, Charles. Yes, the Perpetual Student. And uh, Optica by uh, uh, Gravic, which is a, a company that's based here at Glitch. Yes. Um, those games are going to be uh, published through Glitch. And there is a, sort of an unexpected bureaucratical hang up which is sort of tragic mm. and hopefully there'll be some attention to this and maybe some of that stuff can get changed Yeah, uh, and we can get those, those those are both games that would be great on Switch <laughs> <laughs> it's true <laughs> okay well my mouth is really dry now uh, you, want, you, get, you want to get some water and come back? <laughs> I'm good I think we can move on to the next topic but is there any questions you guys have because I really just motor mouth through this whole thing that's okay
0: uh, well I think like I said I think that this was all really useful to hear because like I, I I when we first started with Vengeance, I never thought that like I could even, but think about putting it on consoles because I thought talk about be, games would be great on Switch. I know Vengeance would be wonderful on Switch, but like it always seemed really scary because like it always seemed like it was a huge involved process and like you had to make sure your game was top notch or something like that, and like I just didn't understand the process. But like hearing all of these things makes it feel a lot more accessible. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's good. I think it that's
2: is good. a huge involved process. Sure, but that should not stop you. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> making games is a huge involved process. Right. Yeah. You're already you're already a crazy person. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for that. Yeah, Martha, you're a PC gamer mostly, so this might not even excite you the way it excites like the no, child and de- me.
1: Definitely does for Nintendo. Oh yeah. Like yeah, super cool.
2: Yeah. Well, we talked in the success episode, you were, you were describing like a game on a shelf, like as a, as a sign of having made it, like uh, having something on a Nintendo platform as a person who grew up with video games. That's it, right? Yeah. That would be pretty cool. And I don't mind that they weaponize that nostalgia. Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, that's, that describes a lot of what Nintendo does. <laughs> yeah,
2: pretty much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you liked this before? You'll like it five more times. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's my turn now.
0: I think so. <laughs> ah, okay, I got that one. The, picked up on it.
1: It, it was very <laughs> subtle and clever. <laughs> <laughs> my topic is turn-based RPGs. Ooh. Because I've been playing so much Octopath Traveler yeah. recently.
0: I've heard things about that game. It seems like mixed reviews.
1: It's very fun. The okay. stories are kind of meh.
3: Okay. Uh-huh. But
1: the gameplay is very
3: fun. Yeah. Mm.
1: So I thought maybe talk a little bit about like history of them. Mm-hmm. They kind of started out as um as uh video game ports of D&D or other role, like tabletop role playing pen and paper sort of things because those had turns and you had skills that did a certain number of points and so it was like super easy to make really simple video games like um text-based adventures and stuff like that. Mm Right. So you didn't need very many graphics. And then um, other other characteristics uh, that get carried over from like D&D sort of things are like quests and um, campaigns Mm -hmm. where you have a story and you have to go you have to go travel somewhere and do something mm-hmm. and on the way you get attacked by things <laughs> yeah. basically or you attack things um, random
2: that's really interesting like when you think about like the video game rpg uh, clichés mm-hmm. they're all they all are from like pen and paper like stopping in a town Yeah. No. random encounters like no. all that stuff it's amazing how <laughs> it's just the exact same language mm-hmm. i mean yeah they're based off on them. like, the, like the feel of playing them is totally different but yeah. mechanically they're real almost identical yeah I don't know. That shouldn't be a surprise, but it feels like a kind of a surprise to me.
1: Well, I think the one thing that pulls you, that really separates them is that in, even though you're playing a role and in a lot of some games, you can choose like your dialogue options or whatever. You're not really, it's just different embodying the character than when you're actually having to come up with everything about them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And the fact that you can come up with more of the story in pen and paper ones because there's not actually a, the computer program has set up a certain way and you can't change the story once it's already going unless it's online or something. Yeah right,
2: yeah, right. I've definitely found in the D&D campaigns that I've been a part of, there's less of the thing that happens in the first scene is pivotal to the end climax. <laughs> Whereas RPG stories, uh, video game RPG stories are much more like movies where they have, because there's so much more control. Yeah. Uh, in a tabletop, it much more feels like anything can happen. And that's part of their charm.
1: Yeah, and... You can ignore side. Well, I guess you can ignore side quests in each of them, but there are side quests in a lot of them. Mm. Uh, that's a trope in a lot of them too. Right. You have items and an inventory of items, and you get loot and new weapons and yes. upgrades to things, and that includes like your powers and char- like character classes. So uh-huh. each character has a different personality and a different. Um, Powers that that you as you level up, you get more of them, Um, and you usually are playing. Well, some of them you're only playing one person, but most of them you're like have a party.
2: Yeah, right, right, right. It makes the it makes the player a different person in in a way. That yeah,
1: it's like you're the manager.
0: Yeah, 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 that is accurate. It's weird though, is because oftentimes you play as the character, but also as a party. You get to decide what the party does and what your character does
2: outside of all right Oh, right. You're, you're the lead character, and then yeah. the party is, is yeah. also you. Also you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's a, um, there's apparently two different styles of RPGs, so oh. like Western RPGs and Japanese RPGs.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But I guess I haven't considered that in a turn-based RPG kind of setting. Uh, Western RPGs is like Skyrim when things are like open-ended
2: in the open-world things, right? Right, they tend to be like action games with numbers.
0: Yep. (laughs) Right? Yes. You know, that's kind
2: of funny, interesting, because the pen and paper role-playing game is an American invention,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. right? It comes out of Wisconsin. But the Japanese RPG is very much more associated. Oh, yeah? D&D? Yeah.
1: Yeah, Minnesota. I thought it was Wisconsin. No, 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 no. No, that's propaganda. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. You'll have to give us the whole uh, treatise on that. Yes. Um, but uh, the, the, the turn-based RPGs are much more associated with Japanese developers. Yeah. Um, I'm really curious to know where those, you know.
0: I think it, it kind of makes sense because like Dungeons & Dragons is a more open world. You do whatever the heck you want kind of mm-hmm. thing. And a lot of the Western RPGs, that's what Western RPGs are, are, open world, you do whatever the heck you sure. want kind of things. Whereas JRPGs are more, um, they're more, you know, li- linear, I guess. Like, you you do this one thing. There's yeah. a, like, and there's side things you can do, but like, there's a, a main story, and it's not as much about exploration.
2: I suppose. I, I just mean, like, the developers of Final Fantasy, like, a lot of people think that, you know, there's like Final Fantasy Dragon Quest um, invented a genre. But oh, sure. In fact, all they did is translate a genre. Like, did they play DD? I really want to know. Oh, yeah. Oh, I want to know how that. In the you know in the late seventies early eighties like how those ideas cross continents sure, in, a, a in a time question. before the internet you know? I like
0: that that's a good question uh, I don't have an answer but <laughs>
1: I don't either <laughs> Final Fantasy the first one came out in nineteen eighty seven mm-hmm. Final Fantasy is kind of like the one like the one everyone knows yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's like
0: I wonder if that's different in Japan because there's uh, Dragon
2: Quest. Which is much more popular in Japan. Is
0: it? Really? Yeah. Interesting. Did that come out before or after Final
2: Fantasy? I think before, ah, okay. but I don't know for certain. Yeah. I know that it came out in America as Dragon Warrior mm-hmm. because of a copyright or a trademark issue. Mm-hmm. And it sold so poorly that they gave it away for free in copies of Nintendo Power. Yep. Wow. I, I told the story in the show before. That's how I played that game. Oh, um, all yeah.
1: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, terrible, but awesome. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> so, so then, Dragon Quest is now, I think, popular here, but only a little bit. Only more recently, it's yeah. it's like a cultural institution in Japan, mm-hmm. but it didn't catch on early on. Whereas Final Fantasy, cultural institution here, also. Yeah. Right.
1: It's True. There's now 15 of them.
2: I think that's a really conservative estimate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, because there's spinoffs
2: and yeah. whatnot
3: too.
1: Yeah, and and ones that have sp- have spun off into different genres of games.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, like. Tactical RPGs, which is slightly different, mm-hmm. um, and but
2: also turn based, but also
1: turn based, right? So, but it's much more about controlling because so in 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 the normal turn based RPG in battles, basically, what happens is you have the enemy and you have your party, and it doesn't really matter. Well, in some of them, it matters what order you're in, but it doesn't really matter like where your characters are standing mm-hmm. most of the time, um, and it's mostly about. Doing a sort of war thing, yeah. picking which ability will be the best against this this thing, yeah. whatever whatever your enemy is, right? right whatever right. your Pokemon you're fighting is, <laughs> <laughs> another famous RPG.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so with a t- tactical RPG, you all your characters are out on a chessboard, basically, and you have to um, strategically put your characters in. Sp- Places for their abilities to do the most damage, or if you can get behind your um, enemy, you can do more damage. Or um, there's abilities that only go to certain tiles around you. So, mm-hmm. like basically, like like the different chess pieces, but yeah, on steroids. <laughs> yeah,
2: I've always preferred that kind of mechanics. I like turn-based RPGs, but everyone I play is kind of just throwing numbers at each other until all the numbers are gone. Yeah, and but tactical ones feel like there's a lot more. I mean, even ones that are meant for you to pretty much win, like the early, you know, the early stages, they still feel really engaging because you feel like you're making a lot more interesting choices.
1: And I, I just want to like three D print all of the stages for like Final Fantasy Tactics, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is like every all their little their little stages are where you battle are basically cutouts of like little poly Pocket like (laughs) you know miniatures of, of. Little towns or whatever that you run around in. That's cool. And I'm just like, oh man, I just want, I just want like a toy of that,
3: yeah.
1: huh. <laughs> um, or like a Lego set of yeah. that or something.
2: There really, it should be a tabletop version of these games. Is there not? Dungeon. I mean, and I mean, <laughs> right? Like fourth edition.
1: I'm standing with, uh, <laughs> I'm standing next to Flanking um, Bonus. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, no, that you're right. I, I'm just—I guess I'm imagining more like a like a printed out game board. Oh, sure. Kind of thing. Sure.
1: Ooh, that'd be kind of cool, actually. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think I—I I think I prefer tactical RPGs to turn-based RPGs as well. Yeah, because it does feel like I—I I don't really like turn-based games in general. Mm-hmm. I think clearly because yeah. like
2: you want to hit more buttons than the other guy. Yeah, <laughs>
0: buttons are fun. Pressing buttons is great. Uh, and you don't get to press that many buttons in turn-based. You just press to select, and then you just press to pick your, who you're fighting. And it's... <laughs> and there's... Yeah. Um, but, like, I think that, like... I think with tactical RPGs, it's a large... Like, there's a lot more interesting decision-making involved. And, like, you yeah. can plan things out ahead of time or in mm-hmm. advance and stuff. And I'm not great at that, but, like, you can do it. And it makes it feel more depth Or it makes it feel more in-depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas with a turn-based game, unless there's something you can do in the middle of the with the actual action... It's just going through a selection menu and picking options.
2: Yeah, there's a couple times like uh, Paper Mario has like boss battles. I I mean, all these games do, but the ones I'm most familiar with are Paper Mario games. Um, And like sequencing your actions becomes a strategic choice. Mm -hmm. And the games that do that well are the ones that really do well. Um, Otherwise, it really is just a matter of like just hitting the attack button if you know you know the enemy is weak enough to do it. Just feels sort of like a waste. You know, because yeah. even in a platformer game where you have easy game, easy things, there's still a possibility of failure. Right, you can still miss your. You still have now. to be consistent. There's an endurance element to it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that the there's a demand on the on these types of games to make those things interesting.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of them end up adding more mechanics to the turn based part yeah. to make it more interesting. Like there's a game for 3ds. It's uh, bravely default. Mm-hmm. And that has a really cool thing where your turns become kind of a currency. So you can either um, a, do an extra attack or you can, d- you can either do your turn mm-hmm. or you can default. And if you default, then you skip your turn. But the next turn, you get two attacks. Oh, oh okay. okay. And, so, and you can, so you have to like save up your plan when you want to do... Your double damage or your combos or whatever. Cause if you have more attacks, you can like, you can chain things together. Mm.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, so bravely defaults is actually an action. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly that makes sense.
1: <laughs> huh, yeah.
0: I like that. That's cool. That, that, that makes it more interesting for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, um, Octopath Traveler has um, like these boosts that make your attacks more um, powerful and you can save them up each turn, like each turn you get one, unless you used up all of your, your um, boosts, Mm -hmm. in which case you don't, you have to skip a turn of getting one and then you get the one the next time.
3: Okay.
1: Um, and you can use up to three at a time, three or four at a time. Um, so that becomes a sort of like, okay, well I want to use it this turn, uh, or I want to save them up for when, Mm -hmm. um, so the other the other cool mechanic with with Octopath Traveler is that the enemies have weaknesses, but you don't know what they are, mm-hmm. oh. and so you have to try different attacks. And then if you if you get your weaknesses, if you figure out which one it is, you um, you can break their defenses. So there's like a little defense number, and you have to hit them that many times with a weak a thing they're weak to. And if you do, then they become completely vulnerable to all your attacks. So oh. the strategy is to like save up your attacks, um, and use your different characters' abilities um, in sequence so that you can have enough, have all your extra attacks saved up, sure. for when they're mm-hmm. weak.
2: <laughs> and you have to, you have to design like a scientific method. An optimal one that you oh, can yeah. try multiple times that is is most efficient way to find your way to the the weakness.
1: Yeah, and so and there's certain characters who have abilities that will like reveal a weakness mm-hmm. or um, reveal hit points or something oh, like that. Okay. So you can use a turn up to to like sure. find find out information. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: um, they, and if they do that a little bit in Paper Mario too, like one of the characters, one of the Goombas in the Paper Mario turn based games. Um, can like read about the the enemies you're fighting, and you can get hit point information from them. Mm. Which is oh, nice. cool! Yeah. yeah, I like I like the Paper Mario ones because there's act- things you can do in actions during the during the gameplay, which is really good.
2: Right, right. There's some timed button presses and stuff. Yeah, which we were talking about this before. And I don't know if uh, my my guess is that it because Super Mario, Super Mario RPG has that yes. where you have to. Oh yeah, um, Martha, you were playing that at my place a couple weeks ago. And um, it, when you, it, when you hit A just at the right moment, you get a double attack or whatever. And so you have to be a little bit more gameplay than just the choosing your thing. And I don't know if that appeared anywhere else before then, but that's a that's a core mechanic of the Paper Mario series, mm-hmm. which even though it's not developed by Rare the way Super Mario RPG was, uh, it was definitely inspired. The first one they would buy a lot of the things from Super Mario yeah. RPG, um, and yeah, that I always like. I like that a lot of Paper Mario because as the games went on. They ended up doing more and more of that in a way that was more mechanically interesting or different from game to game. Right? Like um, Paper it,
0: Mario a Thousand Year Door added stylish moves where you can just like. I think you would get bonus star power if yeah. you did it, but like you didn't have to do it. But it was just really
2: cool right. and fun. And the more recent games, like Sticker Star has you, you can do, a, a do them in sequence, and each one you do is harder to time. Oh, And so it, it like you don't always get all the way to the maximum amount, like six or seven or whatever yeah. it is, depending on what kind of thing you pull. And again, more mechanics, like you were saying, mm-hmm. um, to, to give that stuff a little more interest. Right. That
0: one in particular gives it more of an action game feel,
2: though. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. a big criticism of those games, the later Paper Marios, is that they're less... Like, it, it's not Thousand Year Door, and that's yeah. that's the sad story, yeah. but they're still really fun. Yeah. I really like them. Yeah. But yeah, I would. I could use another Thousand Year Door. That's mm. one of my favorite games of all time. My favorite turn-based RPG is uh, Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga.
0: Yeah. I played through that game, like, three times. Mm-hmm. It's super fun. It's kind of like Paper Mario, except you play as both Mario & Luigi separately, and, like, they can defend against uh enemy attacks by like hopping over them or hitting them with hammers and stuff when they're doing their thing. So like during the enemy's turn, you have things you can do. And during your turn, you can uh there are button presses you can do to enhance your abilities. Uh or to enhance your attack. Mm-hmm. Uh and like those, yeah, those ones those are just super fun. Mm-hmm. Didn't
2: uh, that game it, just get a re release?
0: It did. Ooh. Uh, it's it's uh Superstar Saga plus Bowser Minions or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I haven't played that one yet. I have a switch now and I think it's on the 3ds <laughs> <laughs> if it was on if it was on the switch I'd be all over that Uh huh. yeah but yeah I don't know um in general though I don't know I don't like turn-based games that much I'm not exactly sure why I think it's just that's just too slow mm-hmm.
1: did you like divinity original sin that I, seems to be on this list I
0: did like that <laughs> I did I put it on there because I I like that game but that yeah that's more of a tactical rpg and like um I don't think I would have liked that nearly as much if it was just me playing it, but like if you can play it co-op, then like you can strategize with somebody else. Um and and you can opt to like not do the thing if you don't want to, which is kinda cool. Uh yeah, I so I did like that game, but I don't know. What what is it you like both like about turn based RPGs specifically? If 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 you can I articulate like articulate that.
1: I like that you have time to think about what you're gonna do. Sure. And that um like I like managing numbers. So like having to manage like how much mana you have or how much health you have or how much, you know, ability points or whatever the special thing is. Um, and figuring out the best way to defeat the boss or whatever. Um, that's really fun. Also, there's always numbers flying off the enemies when you hit them. And that is like one of my favorite things.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I was with you for a while, and then not so much. (laughs) It's
1: great, and then you do like thousands of damage, and then they just poof disappear, and you're like, ha ha. (laughs) Also, most of the time they have pretty interesting stories. I don't know about I feel about arctopath travelers stories. Some of them are a little annoying. Mm.
2: People seem to hate the story in that game.
1: Well, it's because some of some of them are okay, Mm -hmm. like the hunter. Who I started with, um, hers is is fine. She's just trying to find her her um, like mentor who has gotten himself lost mm-hmm. because he goes on drunken adventures and stuff. Yeah, and the dancer's story is kind of interesting because it's really really dark.
3: Oh. but
1: she's like trying to get revenge, um, and it's like very feminist because she's like you know getting revenge against all these really terrible dudes. Mm-hmm. Ah. Um. And, um, but then there, then there's like the, the, we have to link to Polygon's, um, Octopath Travelers listed, ranked from least to most annoying because yeah. I pretty much agree with everything in that video. <laughs> uh-huh. um, cause like, then you have like, there, okay. So the, one of the characters, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but it's only for one of the characters and it's the first part of his story. Uh-huh. So the thief Um, his story is that you go and steal a thing and then they catch you stealing the thing and then this guy puts a bracelet on you and then suddenly you're, he like has control over you even though it's just literally a bracelet. I'm like, okay. "Okay." Sure. Because they don't explain like, they don't say like it's magic and he can't take it off or anything. So I'm like, just take it off. Why don't you (laughs) just take it off? Or if it's like locked onto your arm or something. Uh Uh-huh. Go to a blacksmith. Yeah. This is literally one in like so many in this game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, oh, I'm so, I'm so upset. Now I have to follow what this guy says for my honor. It's
3: All like, right. <laughs> what?
2: <laughs> like they could have done a better job explaining the cultural reasons why that might be true. Yeah. Cause that might be interesting, but it yeah. sounds like they didn't even bother to justify it.
1: No, it was just like, I have this bracelet now. It means I'm bad, I'm a bad <laughs> thief and okay and the other thing is that part of his story is that he's like I'm a loner and I like to be by myself and so these other thieves come up and are like hey we want to help you break into the place to steal the thing mm-hmm. and he's like uh, no <laughs> <laughs> but then you walk up with all your other characters right. and are like hey we're going to come with you on your journey he's like sure <laughs> <laughs>
0: I like the voice change
1: <laughs> <sighs> Anyway, so there's a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of like the female characters being stereotypical, mm. but the gameplay is so much fun that mm. you can just kind of look past that and skip the cutscenes. You press B long enough, the cutscene will stop. So, okay,
2: isn't it sad how often you just have to look past that stuff? Yeah, <laughs> like the world just asks you to do that so often. Yeah. That's not cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh well. Anyway,
1: <laughs> so the stories, yes, yeah. most of the
0: time, the narratives. Yeah. Okay. well, that mm-hmm. also explains why I don't like turn-based. Yeah.
2: much. <laughs> yeah. I. Lo- I mean, I. I really like platformers, and that's those are the action games I like. Yeah. But I also love stories in games, and the turn-based RPGs are where you can just simmer in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, it's uh, you can you can play the game without it having to be like without having to have good posture. Sure. You could like lay around like you're watching a movie.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Like
2: that is that's that's a, that's an appealing thing. Okay. Not just that they're slower or that they're not don't require you to be active. It's that uh that is actually a different kind of fun. Sure. You know? Sure.
0: That makes sense. Uh I guess well normally when I'm planning to play a game though, I I'm not looking to like sit down and get immersed in a story and like watch a movie. Uh-huh. I, so that it, it doesn't work for me in that way, I guess.
2: Steven's answer was basically like that sounds great, but that's not what games are. <laughs> That's kind of what I said.
1: <laughs> so you'd rather play a sport than like play chess or something. I don't know.
0: You got him. <laughs> I, uh,
1: that's not a perfect metaphor.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Physical activity. Whatever. You got him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's. I mean, like, I think. I think those points are good. I think those make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm not arguing against turn based. Uh, there's. I think it's largely just it's not for me. Yeah. Most of the time, I guess that's not the case all the time.
1: So the challenge is to make a turn-based game that Stephen
0: would like. Yeah. Yes. Are we? Are we? Are we asking that challenge now? Mm-hmm. Give it. Give it actions in the middle of
2: turns. Yeah. Barely make it barely a turn-based. So game. is it? I mean, <laughs> this is totally the case for me. But like, yeah. I'm much more likely to play an RPG if it's a Mario game because. You know, you know me so well. Right. But same with you. <laughs> yeah. You like the Mario and Luigi games. You sure. like Paper Mario. I mean, yeah, the reason I played them is because they
0: had Mario and yeah. Luigi in them. If they made a Kirby RPG, <gasps> I'd play a Kirby <gasps> RPG.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'd play a Kirby RPG. Hal Laboratory, listen up.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Please make a Kirby RPG. <laughs> I want it too.
2: <laughs> Have Intelligent Systems make a Kirby RPG. Oh, well, that would be good. Yeah, it would. It would be great. Those are the ones who
0: made the Mario and Luigi games. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Okay. That would probably do it. I think <laughs> it's just the characters. I, yeah. need, I need characters I could jump in with. Mm-hmm.
2: Imagine like Kirby's powers in a turn ba- with turn-based mechanics. Yeah. Oh my god. Super interesting. Well, there'd be a lot of, of potential there. Hmm. You know, like you could suss out what your enemies can do to decide which ones you suck up. Yeah. And then you can do them now, but you don't know what they do unless you see the enemy do, do them. Yeah. So like, there's a ton. There'd be a ton of interesting strategy involved. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I could get that. <laughs> Dang. That's a good game okay get on it y'all come on on, nintendo what are you doing what are you doing Mm -hmm. yeah i yeah i guess it's just largely like if i'm making interesting decisions during the gameplay i mean that's what everybody wants but like i feel like with turn-based games they oftentimes feel like the interesting decision is get the most powerful ability and then just keep using that ability until you run out of mana then use the next most powerful ability.
2: Well, the worst of the games are like that, I okay. suppose. Maybe those are the ones I played. <laughs> <laughs> but I I like, I like it for the same reason I like puzzle games, yeah. where it's like you, have to, you you have to figure out the right solution to this problem. Mm. And it doesn't require training the way like like so, g- doing a good fighting game or a good platformer would require where yeah. it requires actual like rabbit. it really just is. it becomes just a puzzle you can solve based yeah. on knowledge and experience. Uh, you know like um, you know uh, not like uh, re- repetitive action experience but mm-hmm. just just perceptual experience right. like, I think those are that makes it really interesting and engaging sure um, now you've
1: solved my train puzzle <laughs> <laughs> well
0: that's another aspect of turn based RPGs we didn't really cover is like the grinding that's so boring Yeah. Oh, sure yeah, yeah that's part of it oh. that's part
2: of the like, the, whole, the numbers gambit that like that's I sort of turn away a little bit the more numbers matter mm. the less interested I am yeah that's how I feel about it too.
0: Yeah. I think that like for a lot of people, grinding is nice because like it's just a repetitive action you can do, and so yeah. like it's just something you can do while you're you know not you can just turn your brain off and
2: right beat a bunch of things up. I guess uh, I think it's more than that. I think people hmm. do like working towards a goal, and grinding is I mean for in video game terms, grinding is boring. Yeah, but in everyday terms, grinding is a, still playing a video game. Yeah, so no, it, but man. it feels like work, and then when you get to level two or whatever, you can have a sense of accomplishment. So I'm giving it the most positive spin I can, sure. but there is some value to like, you know, chipping away at the wall until you get through okay. instead of just opening a door. Okay. Right. That's a fair point. That's a very fair point. Even if it ultimately it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh,
0: I, yeah. That's a good, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You
1: have to find a balance between mm-hmm. it because like if it's too much, then it gets really frustrating mm-hmm. and breaks your immersion in the story because you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. I, now I have to spend a lot of time in this field for some reason and that mm-hmm. doesn't really make sense <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah did you guys play uh, chrono trigger no no
1: but I've heard good
2: things I played it when it was remastered for the d oh not even rem- re-released for the ds mm-hmm. uh, in like 2008 or whenever it was and I didn't get very far in it one it's not really a handheld game that made it a little bit hard to sort of pick up and get back to but also I really loved the story but it wasn't moving fast enough for me and the mm. gameplay wasn't interest as interesting. Oh. And uh, I think that's just my assessment. I think popularly Chrono Trigger is regarded to have really good, solid, engaging gameplay. Mm-hmm. It just didn't hook me right away. Okay. I am interested in revisiting it though, because I think I think if I give it another chance, it will it will get me. Mm. Um but like uh but the story like really got me. It just I wanted the next bit of story and not the next bit of game right now. Sure. You know? Um I don't know. I probably didn't get very far in it. I do need to give that one another shot. Yeah, uh, I've heard good things about
0: that. It has like a area, it has sort of like a tactical RPG sort of thing, right? Like
2: you have, you don't remember? Don't remember. <laughs> okay, I don't know, I've never played it. It was like a decade ago I gave up on this uh, game. Ah, well then never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but it's haunted me since. Ooh.
1: <laughs> so if you're going to make an RPG, um, there's lots of tools to do it, including RPG Maker, which has you don't really have to make much code.
0: You know, yeah.
1: All right. I bought that through like a Humble Bundle mm-hmm. or something, but I haven't actually made anything with it. But there's a couple of local people who made some for um in a couple of the game jams. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um I know Adina Abduak uh, made one for the latest Global Game Jam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it seems pretty fun. I was like looking over Adia's shoulder and yep. being like,
2: "Ooh, what's going? <laughs> what is this?"
1: <laughs> and you can be like set people's abilities and put in your own art and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and that has seems a, pretty
2: cool it does have a coding a scripting back end so it's it, yeah. I think it's out of the box you can play with it like a toy like build your own kind of like Legos, but then it is pretty expandable to whatever systems you want to implement you know, on your own mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. tools like that that like let you get started but then don't hold you back yeah you know yeah that's good are there other tools other than rPG maker that are
1: um that's the one that i found that's like the major one yeah,
2: too, yeah. uh there are like um uh just as for all genres mm-hmm. there are like uh, kits you can get for Unity yeah. that, uh, sure. that will give you a lot of the back end
1: well I think I'll hand the turn to Stephen
0: got it <laughs> I picked up <about> it again <laughs> uh. that's our show if you haven't already subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app and be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or are nice like us you really do need to know you're out there so leave a review and tell all your friends too we also want to hear directly from you so follow us on Twitter and all the other things at Nice Games Club Lastly, you can find out more about the show, your nice host, as well as get all the links and show notes from this and other episodes at nicegames.club. So until we start again, remember to play nice
1: and bank nice. Sorry, I've totally lost what I was talking about. Um, sorry to whoever edits this.
2: <laughs> I'm just imagining now you editing it and hearing that and being like, ugh. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so...